on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. ready to talk sports with one of the leading sports journalists of today? Welcome to All Around Sports with John Inglesby. John's years of experience as a journalist has allowed him to net exclusive interviews with the top players, former players, commissioners, and owners. John and his guests are ready to give you the straight word when it comes to sports. Now, let's talk all around sports. Here's your host, John Inglesby. Voice America listeners, welcome to the 151st ever show of All Around Sports. Each Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, we broadcast live from Boston to go all around the world of sports for one hour to discuss what happened this week and what's coming up for the weekend. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net, which comes to me through my website at www.iirsports.com. As always, I will give you my highlights, lowlights, and bizarre news items from this past week. Also, later in the show, we will be joined by our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. Well, my highlight of the week was, again, the exciting endings in the NBA and NHL playoffs, which really reached a crescendo on Wednesday night uh, as the end of the Heat Pacers and Blackhawk Kings games. Both elimination games were occurring simultaneously. Uh, my right hand got a workout that night as I was just literally switching back and forth, literally second to second it felt like. Uh, it was overtime in the Kings-Blackhawks game uh, and coming down to the wire in the uh, Pacers heat game. Again, both elimination games, both the Pacers and the Blackhawks. We're fighting to keep their season alive. And I was, of course, using the DVR, so it was just, uh, you know, as good as TV gets, sports television, I should add. I mean, obviously, as you listeners all know, I've been tracking these playoffs throughout, as I always do. And, uh, again, it just gets better and better, although there's fewer and fewer games, which is a bit of a bummer. But, obviously, the stakes are higher, the teams are better. And uh, the drama increases. And again, Wednesday night was just as good as it gets. Uh, Absolutely fascinating TV. Um, The Blackhawks crowd was just incredible, I must say. And uh, I felt they were probably going to pull it out once it went into, I think, double overtime, actually. And... uh, you know, they're, they're a proud champion. I saw what they did up here in Boston last year, uh, scoring two goals in the final minute or two to win the Stanley Cup when the Bruins had a lead that we were all looking forward to heading back out to Chicago. That didn't happen. But the Blackhawks have won two Stanley Cups in the last few years, so proud champion, and I just felt they're not going down at home. 
They may go down tonight, and I think the Kings really need to win tonight. Uh, but I don't think uh, I didn't think the Blackhawks were going to lose that game at home. Although it obviously in overtime, you never know what will happen, and it just happens in a split second. Regardless, whoever wins, they'll be playing the Rangers. Uh, the New York Rangers, that was good theater last night. The Madison Square Garden was going crazy. Uh, the Marty St. Louis story has just driven that team ever since around Mother's Day when his mother's mother passed away. A team with a purpose is a dangerous team. They came back from 3-1 against the Penguins. And, you know, the Canadians, to their credit, put up a fight. They were coming out of their big upset victory over the Bruins. Um, laid an egg in the first game, which really had them just, you know, behind the eight ball from day one in the series. And it always felt like the Rangers held the upper hand. But the Canadians played well, given they lost their goaltender, Carey Price, all-world goaltender. And they had a... A uh, youngster in there, Tok- Tokarski, I believe it is, and he played great. But it just felt all along like the Rangers were going to win this series, and they did. The Garden went crazy, and so it's going to be a fun two weeks uh, down in New York, that's for sure. And if they end up playing L.A. or Chicago, but really L.A., a New York-L.A. series definitely gets the juices flowing and the ratings growing. Uh, I'm sure the National Hockey League is just ecstatic. And by the way, if it's Chicago against the Rangers, that works too. Uh, So regardless, uh, you know, you're having the big market teams in the NHL finals. I think it's just going to do wonders for hockey. And maybe a few people will, uh, a few more people than usual will tune in to see what it's all about and learn the joys of Stanley Cup postseason hockey, which, as I've said often, uh, and is in many ways, the best thing in sports. Moving into the NBA, uh, great ending the other night. Uh, everybody's talking about LeBron. Should he or should he have not taken that last shot? And uh, you know, he came driving down the lane. It looked like he was either going to make it. He's LeBron, uh, a freight train coming down the lane. But Roy Hibbert was in his way. So if there's one guy in his way that could perhaps stop him, block it. It is Roy Hibbert. Uh, so LeBron threw out to Bosch, who missed a uh, contested but somewhat open three-pointer from the corner. Didn't go down. And uh, so we have game six tonight in Miami, along with game six tonight in L.A. with, uh, uh, with the Kings, hockey. So should be another great night of viewing. And... Uh, it's going to be fun, and again, hats off to the Rangers for making the finals. Uh, good for them. That leads into my bizarre story of the week, which was Lance Stevenson's sophomoric behavior, uh, or as Ray Allen called it, buffoonery, uh, in trying to get into LeBron James's head. Uh, which is fine. He's roughing him up. Nothing wrong with that. Certainly, if anybody can take it, it's LeBron James. Uh, but, you know, blowing in his ear. I mean, that's weird. There's no other way to say it. I just thought that was just bizarre. Uh, they said he did it before in a previous series against the Heat, but I don't remember it, and I don't remember it 
getting nearly as much attention as it's getting now. Uh, but, you know, he, he is a fascinating character. Let's not forget, he's the guy that a couple years ago, uh, at a playoff game against the Heat in Indiana, directed at LeBron, you know, put his hands around his own throat, signifying choke, which is about the most, uh, you know, explosive gesture you can make in sports today. And uh, so, you know, we've seen this act before, uh, but again, you know, and, and he's had his moments in this series, but he's also had his moments of disappearing. Um, he's just, you know, acting in a bizarre manner, which is why I called it my bizarre story of the week, and no less an authority than Larry Bird, the general manager of the Pacers, was none too happy with uh, with the blowing in the ear part that just kind of crossed the line into complete childishness. And if Larry doesn't like it, then nobody else should like it either. Lastly, my, my low light of the week is the blowouts that have occurred in all five Spurs Thunder games. There's tremendous talent on the floor. It's like this unbelievably athletic team with two absolute superstars, the Thunder, with Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook, or, and especially Westbrook. I mean, he's just unbelievable to watch. He reminds me a lot of Rondo. He himself makes it appointment television. And, uh, and then we have the Spurs, and, you know, they're the old champions that, you know, are somewhat beloved, if you will, and you certainly have to respect them. Anybody who doesn't respect the San Antonio Spurs doesn't know basketball over the last decade, 15 years. And uh, so, yeah, it's just, but again, you know, I don't have a horse in that race, and so I'm tuning in for competitive games, and these games are sometimes over by halftime, which is not what I'm looking for. So, uh, it's just, again, no fun having these blowouts. I mean, the, the, the fourth quarter is absolute boredom. Um, so, hopefully that changes uh, tomorrow night in OKC. Uh, and we actually get a good game uh, before it's all said and done. And I got a feeling maybe we will uh, tomorrow night out in Oklahoma. So, that said, my, my final mention is that I will be attending the Tom Brady Touch Football game tonight at Harvard Stadium. He is the co-chair of the Best Buddies organization for this event which uh, is also a bike challenge tomorrow. It's a big weekend for Tom Brady, New England Patriots quarterback. So I'm excited. Uh, there'll be a lot of uh, his Patriot teammates there. Uh, there have been in past years. Hard to believe it's the 15th annual uh, Best Buddies Challenge for Tom Brady. Um, and he's been great. It's a great. It's turning into just a great annual Boston event. Always held, you know, late May, and uh, this will be my first time covering it. Looking forward to it. It's always great to see Tom Brady, and it's even going to be fun to see him, uh, you know, in a much more casual setting than I'm used to seeing him at Gillette Stadium on Sunday afternoon. So, uh, lots of other celebrities will be there. 
and uh, should be a great event. So now, as my former co-host, Lee Mont Williams from Outside the Huddle, likes to say, it's time to pay some bills, so let's take our break. And next up will be our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Studham of Bama Magazine. What's going on behind the scenes with your favorite Voice America show or host? For the latest news, visit the iRadio blog at iradioblog.com. Want to experience football from the perspective of two former players who also have coaching experience? Tune in to Sports Info UM with Daryl Oliver and Sam Sword. We'll talk about the drafts, play-by-play, and even what's happening in the offseason. Daryl and Sam have the connections and the knowledge to bring you the inside stories of the game's past, present, and future. We'll cover the camps, on and off field, and everything else, football and beyond. Sports Info UM is heard Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment two of All Around Sports. And I'm your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is one 1- 888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And it's that time of the show when we typically have guests, and on the line is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Studham of Bama Magazine. And A.P., how are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing great, John. Doing, doing fabulous. That's good. Thank you, as always, for calling in. And, uh, you know, I was mentioning at the end of the previous segment that... um. Going to watch Tom Brady play touch football tonight at Harvard Stadium in the annual Bust Best Buddies Challenge, of which he is a co-chair. So that should be fun. Yeah, John, the two, Tom Brady and Harvard Stadium, that's a great combination, right? It's a great combination, you know. It's, uh, it's an event I've always wanted to go to. I've typically had, uh, been unable to make it due to scheduling or whatever. But uh, anyway, I plan for it tonight, so I am going and covering it and... Uh, it really should be good. There's, you know, uh, a lot of current and former Patriots will be attending, uh, as well as, you know, many other celebrities. I mean, the events associated with, you know, the Shriver Foundation, i.e. the Kennedys. Uh, they're known for their work with best buddies. Uh, Guy Fieri from the Food Channel. Uh, I'm a big fan of his show. Uh, Diners and Dives, I think it's called. Uh He'll be there. 
And uh, so, yeah, I, I think it's going to be great. And again, some some big name, you know, former and current Patriots. So watching them all play touch football, it should be interesting. A lot of media people participate. So, yeah, I, I think it's going to be neat. <laughs> yeah, John, that's one of those affairs. You, 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 there's, there's a guest list and then there's the guest list. You don't know who's going to show up. Well, that's it. That's it. You know, uh, looking at the news release, which is available on bestbuddies.org. Uh, you know, if everybody shows up that they're talking about, you know, and what they typically do uh, as, you know, which is smart is, you know, you don't guarantee anybody's going to be there as much as you just say, you know, who has attended in past years. And it's impressive. You know, Belichick may be there, for instance, uh, you know, so I'm looking forward to it. I really am. Uh you're like me. An excuse to go to a football game, even touch football game, uh, <laughs> makes for a good night out. <laughs> yeah, and the weather's great, so I know you're going to have a fabulous time. The weather is great right now. They're they're calling for potential rain issues. Uh, you know, you typically get it before us in Connecticut, so I don't know how the weather is there, but typically whatever's happening there is coming here in a few hours. Yeah, so far, so good, John. Uh, oh, good. I'm so- glad to hear that. Yeah, because as the hours progress, and it'll be later in the night if you get some rain, and you'll be long gone by that time. Exactly. Well, the event begins at 6 p.m. And uh, so, yeah, and then the second half of it is tomorrow there's a an event that goes, uh, it's a bicycling event where you can basically bike 150 or 20 miles. There's three jump-off points, the 100-mile the being the, JFK Library right in downtown Boston, and, you know, they get a huge, huge turnout for that, uh, or you can do the 50 or the 20. Regardless, it ends at in Hyannisport. Again, we're back to the Kennedys um, with a big, you know, clam bake on a very popular, well-known beach called Craigville Beach in Hyannisport. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. I mean, this is Tom Brady's thing shall we say. This is his big thing of the year. And, uh, you know, again, it's a two-day event, and it's uh, grown and grown in stature and popularity each year. So, so yeah, it should be neat. And, again, you know, always great to see Tom Brady. There's no other way to say it. Uh, He is, you know... (laughs) He, 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 I've noticed he is, and I've mentioned this on the show, that he seems to be much more visible in Boston these days. You know, as we all know, he sold his house in L.A. to Dr. Dre, his brand new, just-built house with moats and the whole bit uh, in Bel Air for, I think, $45 million. And he's also, he and Giselle are building a house in Brookline, Massachusetts, a mere 20 minutes from where I'm speaking right now. And, uh... And, you know, I, I just get a stronger and stronger sense. And this new house, by the way, is uh, right near the country club golf course, the famed country club, Ryder Cup and whatnot, uh, <laughs> right beside, right, right down the street, if you will, from Bob Kraft. Bottom line, I get a, a stronger sense by the day that he is, he and Giselle are, you know, uh, putting their stake in the ground here in Boston. This is it. This is where he's going to live. This is where he's going to stay. Most importantly, this is where he's going to, you know, raise his family. And as we all know, you know, the best education in the country uh, is is in Boston. And that's from grade school right up through college, at, i.e. Harvard. 
It's, it sounds certainly sounds like he's going to stay in the Boston area and wants to live there and bring up his family. So he's made that decision. It seems that way, you know. It just, uh, which I, I think is great uh, to say he's an icon here, is an understatement. And uh, let's just say I wouldn't be shocked if he uh, is someday. We all know he's kind of, you know, alluded to politics. Um, maybe someday he'll be, uh, you know, he'll be a senator from Massachusetts. He's obviously already connected to the Kennedys. Yeah, that's not beyond his reach, I can tell you that, because stranger things have happened across the country. You've seen wrestlers and, uh, you know, Amway salesmen become governors and wrestlers become senators and uh, movie stars become governors. So it's not far-fetched. Lieutenant governors, former football players from a big state university, you've seen that happen, so... That's right in line with things that have gone on in the past. Exactly. Exactly. Ronald Reagan, also a former athlete, but more known, obviously, as an actor. Yeah, anybody can, you know, uh, anybody can do it. Jack Kemp, talk about quarterbacks. <laughs> yeah. There's a good example. Um, yeah, yeah, there's for, a second Jack. I was thinking of, like, Jack Mildred. He was lieutenant governor of Oklahoma. Oh, really? Sure He was, was the quarterback in the 71 game. Sure was. Wow. I, I probably knew that, but have forgotten it. But uh, yeah, wow! Sure you, yeah, I'm sure you did, John. You probably just didn't recall it, but he was the uh, longtime lieutenant governor. Wow, that's interesting. Uh, well, I, I remember that game like it was yesterday. I truly do. I think everybody does. Uh, the game. Uh, we've had many games of the century, but if I had to pick, really, the game of the century, <laughs> yeah. that's the game I'm picking. It just yeah. was great, and you know. We all remember uh, Johnny Rogers was the Nebraska running back who ultimately scored the winning touchdown on a punt return. Uh, and Oklahoma had that famous uh, wishbone with Greg Pruitt. I mean, maybe two of the best running backs to ever play in a game at that moment in their careers in college. That's right. And they had a New England twist there where Chuck Fairbanks went on to coach the Patriots and Barry Switzer was the offensive coordinator and, Yep. And Tom Osborne, I think, was the offensive coordinator for Nebraska. Bob Devaney was the head coach. And that's correct, yeah. And uh, Jeff Kenny was the eye back for Nebraska. Yep. And Jerry Taggy from Green Bay, Wisconsin. And uh, there was all kind of names that come to mind when you're thinking about that game. And it lived up to its billing, and the nation was very attentive to that match. Oh, yeah, uh, 1971. It was either Thanksgiving Day or the Saturday of Thanksgiving weekend. Uh, it was certainly Thanksgiving weekend, that much I remember. But, you know, I remember watching the game like it was yesterday. That, that was one that brought in, you know, the casual fan, to say the least. I mean, all of America watched that game. That was, and it lived up, like you just said, to every imaginable, you know, uh, build-up. I mean, it really it delivered in every possible way oh yeah it was back and forth and Nebraska made a fourth quarter drive to go ahead late in the game and of course they dominated in the bowl game against Alabama and Oklahoma did the same against Auburn in the Sugar Bowl yeah yeah they were by far 
the two best teams in the country. Nobody would ever dispute that, you know, that particular year. And it was just one of those, you know, the stars aligned to deliver that matchup. And, uh, yeah, what I remember about that game is, uh, you know, and basically each team scored four touchdowns. They were both record-breaking offenses, all-time offenses. But the difference in the game was Johnny Rogers had a punt return, and that's that was, in effect, the winning score. That was the only difference between the two teams. Yeah, he... He won the Heisman uh, that year, I believe. I think it was 71. And that was a scintillating play early in the game. I remember, I think, actually, Greg Pruitt missed the tackle on the punt. He had him as soon as he caught it, and he missed the tackle. And then it was up the middle and down the left, you know, the far sideline for the touchdown, as I recall. Exactly. Exactly. Again, legendary play. Uh, you know, by any and every standard. Um, the good old days of college football, I'll tell you. I don't know how we got from Tom Brady to Nebraska, Oklahoma. Well, I do, Jack Mildred. But, uh, yeah, that's, uh, yeah, th- those were good things. Although, you know, looking back, and I know we're in a different century now, but, you know, I, and I think now if I had to pick, you know, maybe the greatest college football game I ever saw, it, it might be the Alabama Auburn game of this past year. That, of course, <laughs> yeah. you you were the certainly the the biggest play in the history of college football. I, I, I think there's a lot of support for that, and you were you were on the twenty yard line for it. You witnessed it up close <laughs> and personal, which is just still amazing to me. Yeah, John, that play it, it's seared in my brain forever. You know, like forever, say, the, the permanent nightmare for me. But correct, I. I I've watched many football games. I just never imagined uh, a team the caliber of Alabama to let that happen or, or or a team to execute it like Auburn did against Alabama with one second left on the clock and so much riding on the outcome. Yeah. I mean, we all know the circumstances, and, of course, it was, you know, uh, uh, time was added on to the clock, current, somewhat controversial play, but, you know, I can truly say, I don't know if, about you, but when they lie, when Alabama lined up for that long field goal, it never even crossed my mind, as it didn't a lot of others, <laughs> of a run back. It just didn't. Uh, obviously, that's held true for the Alabama offense. Yeah. Like, it just caught everybody by surprise as if, like, it wasn't a legal play or something or just not something to be thinking about, uh, and, and I wasn't. You know, who was? I don't think anybody was. Yeah, except I, the kid who yeah, caught the I'm ball. I'm still amazed uh, uh, Gus Malzahn, he made a substitute, putting Chris Davis. Right, right. You know, Again. He, was, he wasn't ready to surrender just yet. Yeah, he, he was thinking about it, so, you know, good for him. Yeah. Because he, he was in the minority, uh, to say the least, and the minority consisted of probably about five people. Him, the run back, maybe an assistant coach or two. The the, run, the runner who ran it back, Chris Davis. So, yeah, yeah. remarkable. Um, well, AP, we got lots of other uh, other things to address. We got a little sidetrack, but then again, this is what you and I love to do: is talk about sports history, particularly football history. And and this was a good one. Yeah, yeah, it sure was. It's no question about it. Yeah, so with that said, why don't we take our break, and uh, I know you're sticking around, and we'll talk a little bit of uh, playoffs on the other side. 
Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. Lockdown coverage. Get ready to talk sports with the big guys. Tune in to Lockdown Coverage with Keith Lewis every Tuesday for the inside and outside of the business of sports. Keith and his guests will provide expert commentary and answer all of your burning questions about your favorite team, the players, and what's next. It's time to have fun with the game. Listen for Lockdown Coverage with Keith Lewis and his favorite co-hosts every Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. The talk doesn't get any hotter. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to IIR at Comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment three of All Around Sports. And I am your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144. Or you can email me at IIR at Comcast.net. And on the line with us still is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. And A.P., we were uh, talking about Tom Brady and the football challenge, a number of other things, but I think we should switch into the playoffs here. And i got to ask you, my bizarre story of the week uh, at the top of the show was Lance Stevenson blowing in LeBron's ear. I know you've covered a lot of hoop. Have you ever seen, and for that matter, a lot of sports? Have you ever seen anything quite like that before? I don't think I've seen it where it was on the TV screen so all the audience could view it up close like like that. I'm sure there's been different scenarios between players, but that's the first time I can, I don't think I've ever seen someone blowing at somebody else like that. Yeah, I wasn't a big fan of it, you know, although I am a fan of, Doing whatever it takes, you know, if you're Lance Stevenson, uh, to stop LeBron James. I mean, he's really roughing him up. I mean, you know, again, LeBron can handle it, but a lot of elbowing, shoving, and all that. But this just, you know, it was weird. It was just cross the line. Yeah. Larry Bird doesn't like it. That means I don't like it. And, you know, right. I just thought it was just really strange. And, and as I said in the first segment, you know, uh, I'm surprised we're not hearing a lot more mention of this with, since it's getting a lot of attention. But, you know, Lance Stevenson is the guy that, you remember a couple of years ago, he put his hands around his throat to signify that LeBron was choking at the end of a playoff game. Remember that? that that's right. I do recall that moment. Now that you bring it up, I sure do. Yeah, well, a lot of people forget who did it, but 
I remember, of course, it was a young Lance Stevenson, and it was like, I remember at the time, everybody saying, like, who is this guy? Well, we, we know who he is, still around. Yeah, that's like uh, trying to, uh, you know, put a stick in a tiger cage and get him excited. I don't believe I would do that. No, I, again, I don't understand that, uh, you know. But but I know br- that, you know, John, I had seen Lance Stevenson when he was a young player in high school. You're kidding. Yeah, yeah, he was at the ABCD camp, and, you know, bring, being from the New York area, he had a big contingent of people that would come over there across the river to New Jersey at Fairleigh Dickinson University. So there was a lot of theatrics in his game, and he was, you know, dramatic. Uh, every time he was matched up against somebody, uh, you, might, you know, some of the, one of the other future stars. So I recall him very well as a young player. And, you know, when he ended up at Cincinnati, I, I thought that was kind of strange because I thought bigger schools would come after him for whatever reason. That's where he ended up. But I, I can recall him as a young player. He was very dynamic. And he he was always on stage, always performing uh to a crowd of you know well-wishers or people hissing them yeah yeah well you know the fact he's from new york and i didn't know that but i'd kind of forgotten it uh, at least during this conversation i think that explains a lot um you, you know and i mean that in all the right ways because you know <laughs> new york basketball is an institution unto itself and uh you know so uh that's what. He, that's yeah. That's who he is. Obviously, I mean, I think we have enough history here to come to that conclusion. But and he he has some game. I mean, he played. He, he was the dominant player in one of these games during this series. I mean, easily the dominant player. Um. So. Yeah, John. He's always been a very good offensive talent, and that's where he made his name as a as a high school player, and he was one of the top. Uh, talents coming out of New York at that time. You know, I don't remember the exact year, but I remember being at the camp and people were were uh, always watching his game. There are four different courts, and people would gravitate to his game. So he was a high school superstar. Yeah, he was, yeah, he was a very good player. Sure was. Yeah. Well, again, he's in the NBA, so I think it's safe to say that most NBA players were high school superstars and. Uh, yeah, the city game. They call it the city game for a reason, and that has you know a lot of the theatrics, personality, uh, and basically fighting for what's yours. Really, that's what you have to do in New York City. I mean, I've been to games, you know, games in the city on the you know on the playground with gigantic crowds, and, and there's really just nothing like watching you know a summer a summer league game in New York City. I've done it a few times and always memorable and the list of players who never even made it out of the city but are considered to be some of the greatest players ever specifically a guy named earl manigault <laughs> right you know that name the goat the goat exactly yes <laughs> uh, you know yeah. the, 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 there's a long list of players who never even like got out of the city that again used to you know dominate guys who went on to NBA Hall of Fame careers. I mean, the list yeah. is, is very long. Yeah, I think I think now, John, with the vehicle of the AAU teams, there's very few of those guys because they can travel around the country and be known. But, you know, when they're teenagers, they can get outside of New York 
and then the, these different opportunities to attend schools all over the country, whereas in those days, you know, you made your name right in the city, and maybe you didn't travel. You, know, you might have went down to Philadelphia, maybe, or, or maybe come up somewhere in Connecticut, some, you know, Bridgeport or something, but nowadays you can go all over the country. By the time you're 17, you toured from the East Coast to the West Coast and points in between. Well, exactly right. Yeah, there, there's not too many diamonds in the rough anymore. Uh, but yeah, yeah, it's, uh, again, you know, Chris Mullen, Sebastian Telfair, Stefan Marbury. I mean, on and on and on and on and on it goes, you know. I had the good fortune when I grew up in Pennsylvania to see... Uh, Rice High School came and when I was a kid, and it was one of the biggest events ever to occur in my hometown of Altoona, Pennsylvania, because they had uh, a player named Dean Meminger. Oh, my goodness. But, yeah, famous at Marquette, obviously, Dean the Dream, yeah. right out of New York City, and Rice is right in the heart of New York City. But more importantly, Rice uh, had a, a player we all know from a few years earlier than Dean Meminger named Lou wow. Alcindor. So Rice was, you know, they were the number one high school te- name in the country, period, back in the 60s. And, uh, yeah, or excuse me, I'm sorry. Lou Alcindor went to Power Memorial, who also came to Altoona. Rice and Power Memorial were like the arch rivals. They dominated the New York basketball scene in the 1960s. Sorry about that. that, uh, that I know better than that. Power Memorial, they also came to this Altoona Holiday Tournament. They came to your hometown. You must have one courageous basketball coach. Yes, yes. No, we had one of the best uh, high school tournaments in the country in a pretty small town. We had good good teams in in my town. And, uh, you know, another team that came from, I believe, I think it might be like Long Island, Remember uh, Tom Riker went on to play for South Carolina? Yes, yes, yes. John, it's funny you mentioned that name. I saw him play in the Rucker tournament at CCNY one time. Okay, okay. Big left-handed guy, about 6'10". And, right. Uh, but I think he was drafted number one by the Knicks, I think. Exactly, exactly. And uh, I believe one year Tom McMillan came out of Mansfield, Pennsylvania. Right. He, of course, was another left-handed legend. Mm-hmm. Uh, went on to the University of Maryland. Um, yeah, we, 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 again, it was one of the best high school holiday tournaments in the country, period. Um, so, yeah, in the, in the 60s and 70s, and there was some major talent came through, to say the least. But one of the best that ever came, you'll appreciate this, was I went to the uh, Catholic high school, and we played Shenley High out of Pittsburgh in our high school gym, which was four or 500 people, if that. And Shenley High, that year state champion, had a player on it that we all know, Maurice Lucas. So I got to see Maurice Lucas in a gym with 400 people when he was in high school. He was amazing. <laughs> But he wasn't, he wasn't even the best player on the team. Uh, they had a kid named Ricky Coleman, who was just spectacular in high school. Uh, he went on to Jacksonville. Yeah. He played, I remember he that with name, that. Ricky. When you said that name, I was thinking Jacksonville, but I think, no, it couldn't be the same one. Yeah, and he, no, it's the same one for sure. No, he was fabulous. Uh, he was better, more feared than Maurice Lucas. Uh, in his high school days, and then Ricky Coleman went on to play with Artis Gilmore and Pembroke Burroughs the third on that famous Twin Towers Jacksonville team. So, 
Good stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's you know, it's uh, yeah. Maurice Lucas, when you you know trying to define the power forward position, he was a name that would always pop up. Oh, absolutely. No, his game grew. Don't get me wrong. He was great in high school. We all knew who he was when he was coming to town. But there was just simply a, a more flashier player on the same team feeding him, as I might add. And then, uh, but no, Maurice Lucas's game grew then when he went to Marquette under Al McGuire, who, whose game wouldn't, right? <laughs> right, yeah. Well, he's one of my, that's one of my all-time favorite characters, Al McGuire. He is. Uh, I totally agree. Did you ever have like? Uh, did you ever cover him at all, or you know, I was, meet him I was or anything in like Seattle that? One time at the Final Four, and I was upstairs, and I saw him outside. What he was, he had taken his walk or run or something, and I was, ran downstairs to try to find him, and I just missed him. Wow. To this day, that's one of the regrets I have. Uh, not just just to be around him and, and talk to him and. Hear his opinions. I I just love listening to him on the TV. Now, that, now, John, that is one person I always wanted to listen to on television. I would turn the TV on. I didn't care if it was Tiddlywinks or two good teams, two bad teams. Didn't matter. I just wanted to hear him what his thoughts were that day. Yeah, I mean, to me, his you know forever phrase will be you know aircraft carrier. He invented <laughs> yeah. the term aircraft carrier, of course, to define a big man, and yeah. I always yeah. loved that term. Just loved it, and yeah, he, he he's like Charles Barkley is today. You yeah. simply watched, or even Simon Cowell on American Idol, you know. <laughs> you tuned in simply to hear them speak. It was just that simple. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah he was my favorite all-time uh, on TV to listen to is, is the analyst. I, I loved him. Oh, he was just fabulous, along with, of course, Billy Packer. I mean, they were a team for upwards of 20 years, and you know. Al McGuire, I mean, he, he's like John Madden in football, you know. He's really both ultra-successful coaches, legendary for coach, for coaching, but really more famous uh, in their legacies for, you know, their second act, which was broadcasting. I, I think so, yeah. Probably a lot of people of that generation didn't know he coached, probably. Absolutely. That's exactly right. Was that funny guy on television talking about basketball? Bingo. There you have it. I mean, it's much more prevalent, you know, than we might think. And certainly with people, you know, the younger generation who doesn't remember their coaching days, uh, you know, we all, we, people like us always will. You know, it's the same. It goes through. You know, it's no different than, you know, Pat Summerall, for instance. I mean, for us, you know, he was just an announcer, but, you know, to many others older than us, obviously, he was, you know, a fabulous football player for the New York Giants and place kicker. Right, and he had some big moments. Big on moments. The, on the field. Championship moments. Absolutely. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's, uh, it's always good to talk about this stuff. Uh, yeah, really, uh, take a walk down memory lane, to put it mildly. Yeah, well, well why don't we take our break now, and I know we still have, uh, you know, to get to the playoffs beyond Lance Stevenson blowing in LeBron's ear, and, uh, <laughs> you know, the postseason is, you know, heading to the finals now. We're getting there, so let's take our break, and we'll talk about that a little bit on the other side. Your 
internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Now you can take your favorite Voice America radio program with you anywhere. Sign up for our mobile app if you have an iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. The Voice America interactive radio player, powered by Aircast, gives you the freedom to listen to any of our programs anywhere, live, and on demand. No registration is required. Listen to your favorite Voice America hosts and discover new ones. Download the Voice America mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry, powered by Aircast. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to the fourth and final segment of All Around Sports. And I am your host, John Inglesby. And back on the line with us is A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. And before we pick it up, uh, my pick of the weekend for appointment viewing is tonight. Two more elimination games, Heat Pacers, Blackhawks Kings. And then tomorrow night we have, of course, Spurs Thunder Game 6, another elimination game. Uh, So, A.P., to me, there's nothing better than elimination games, as you can tell. Uh, You know... And we had we had a couple Wednesday night. I mean, Wednesday night, I said this as my highlight of the week at the beginning of the show where, you know, the overtime game with the Blackhawks and Kings was occurring exactly simultaneously with the end of the Heat Pacers game. So it was just uh, fabulous television going back and forth, as good as it gets in my book. Yeah, there was nothing like it when you get down to these, you know, games that are tight and playoff basketball or playoff hockey, so you had to oil up your, your channel changer, I guess. <laughs> and mine was oiled, as was my DVR, but <laughs> I also like to watch it live, you know, I just, uh, you, you know, I just simply, um, even though I could watch one, DVR the other, then when one's done, watch the other. I know it's on delay, and what has happened, what I'm watching has already happened. And, uh, yeah, I I learned my lesson last year in that game six against the uh, Blackhawks and the Bruins, where the Bruins had the the one-goal lead, two, three minutes to go, if that. And then, uh, you know, I got a tech. So I was watching a little bit behind, like like I didn't realize that I had paused or whatever. (laughs) So, you know. We're all getting ready for the next game. I mean, like, it was over. The Bruins had seemingly won. And then I got a text moments before the Blackhawks score the tying goal that just says, you know, oh, no. And that I, I figured why I knew what that meant. And then literally seconds later, I got another text, oh, no, again. And I thought, oh, that has to be related to the first goal. But it crossed my mind that, like, no, the Blackhawks couldn't have scored two goals in, like, 30 seconds. But they did. We all know the rest of the story. Ever since then, 
I've not been a fan of, you know, uh, trying to, you know, pause and all that kind of thing and DVR, you know, I do DVR just as a backup, but I try to watch it live and Wednesday night was as hard as it gets. It really was there. I mean, we're talking like, you know, you, you, you leave the TV for a second on hockey. It's over in a split second. Basketball is a little different. Yeah. But, you know, it was right down to that final possession where LeBron drove the lane and somewhat surprisingly passed to Chris Bosh when you think that, you know, three things were going to happen, you, you know, typically. Uh, you know, Hibbert blocks it or LeBron gets file, fouled or LeBron makes a shot. As, as they say about an interception, uh, football coaches, you know, when you throw past three things can happen and two are bad. <laughs> yeah. So in that case, if you're LeBron, three things were likely to happen and two were good. So I was a little surprised when he, when he made that pass. Uh, he's done it before. And before he won a championship, that was actually an issue that he wasn't taking the final shot. But I, I, I don't lay this one on him. I mean, he, he's still one of the great passing power forwards in history and that's just his game you know and, yeah, and they would have yeah. won the game if Bosch makes it let's make that perfectly clear LeBron yeah he could have been a game winning shot correct but I really was surprised that he didn't power that ball up and say I'm going to the goal I'm going to try to either I'm going to you know jam it and they're going to either block this thing or or I'm going to be fouled by the big fella and go to the line but I was exactly. really surprised, like right at almost the last tenth of a second, the ball was thrown to the corner for a three-pointer. Exactly. No, it, it was It was surprising. I mean, we're get, getting some serious analysis, heavy-duty analysis on that play. And, yeah, I mean, I was watching it live as well. And uh, I think we just all assumed. I mean, I mean, to me right now, if you had to pick – what is the surest thing in basketball, if not all of sports? And to me, it's LeBron coming like a freight train down the lane, right? Is there anything else more certain of a good thing, a good outcome than that? Yeah, yeah John, it's, he, he, he made the first step. And I said, uh-oh, he, he's got the first step. He's going to buy the defender. Here he is powering down the lane for the, you know, tie, with a tying basket. And next thing you know, Bosh in the corner. I'm thinking, I can't believe he made that decision. I know, I know. And we're talking, I mean, he was in layup territory. He was right there. He was only two feet away. I mean, I can only think, number one, LeBron is as much a passer as a shooter. It's it's in his genes, so that's part of it. But, you know, not that he is in any way, shape, or form worried or concerned about Roy Hibbert, but I think Roy Hibbert is maybe the one player in the league that LeBron at least gives a millisecond of thought to as, you know, the guy between him and the basket, yeah. uh, you know, and, and capable of potentially blocking it and ending the game. That's yeah. the only, you know. Yeah, John, don't you think it'll be interesting the next time that scenario happens, maybe in the last two minutes, it may not be the last play of the game, but let's say the last two minutes and that situation arises again, what will be this, the decision by LeBron? Absolutely. You know, again, we've, had, we've seen this issue before, and it was a real issue before he was winning titles. But, you know, now it's sort of back, you know, more on the back burner than it was a few years ago. But, you know, 
I, I would think next time he's remembering that and he's taking it himself, you know. I, I don't know. I, I, I think so. I mean, maybe he was thinking that this was the worst night of his NBA career in the playoffs, point production-wise. That's and a very good that point. was on his mind. That is a very good point, AP, you know, and I think it's all relevant. You know, you just said it perfectly. He had just played... You know, he was at the end of his worst playoff game ever. Seven points. I mean, that's like uh, unbelievable. It's like, you know, beyond imagination that that could happen with him. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that probably played into it a little bit as well. You know, a lot of things can go through someone's mind in that split second. That's for sure. Yeah, I, I just, it just, you know, if he was a um, a second-tier player like a, like a Pippen to Jordan or, or Dwayne Wade to LeBron James, you think, well, okay, he's thinking, well, I'll just pass it out. But he's LeBron James. I mean, the top player in the world. Correct, correct. And I would say, you know, I'm sure they would have loved, given their history, to close out the Pacers in Indiana. Um, and, you know, those games are just so rugged. I mean, if you're an NBA player, I mean, the thought of, like, uh, I was just looking at the heats, like looking in their eyes and just thinking the thought of having to play another game for them, you know, had, against the Pacers had to just be like thoroughly depressing to them when it was kind of right there. But the Pacers delivered, you know, we should like, uh, let's not ignore. No. Uh, Paul George, I mean, what he did in that fourth quarter, that was, you know, the stuff of legend. It really was. It was beyond impressive. Yeah, John, there's no question about it that, was it was it twenty one points or something of that nature? I mean, the, and and the type of shots that he hit uh, in all those crucial moments, you know, clock ticking down and different things. I mean, it was very uh, impressive, no question about it. Yeah, well, you know, a guy's hot. I mean, when by the end of that game, but then certainly late in the fourth quarter, no matter what shot he was taking, and and I'm talking thirty five foot three pointers, I assume he was making. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, and, and that's like the highest compliment you can pay a guy. Oh, yeah. And, and, John, you know what? The other thing is he was smart to keep shooting the ball. You know, some guys may have said, I made enough of those tough shots. I'm going to back off now. He just kept firing away. That's correct. Yep. I think that's sound judgment. I really do. When you're hot, you're hot. And you... Yeah. You, you keep on doing it um, until until you're not hot again. Uh, yeah. You're not hot. But uh, And I talked a little bit also in the first segment about, you know, the Spurs' thunder. I mean, I'm just so disappointed that all five games have been blowouts because, you know, there's such serious talent, Hall of Fame talent on the floor. And, you know, to have these every single fourth quarter – of five games be really meaningless, boring, for lack of a better word, is really a bummer because what the basketball world's waiting to see is, you know, up and down the way they, they've shown them that they're both capable of uh, up and down in the fourth quarter, it would be riveting television. Yeah, if you you had a museum to visit in that fourth quarter, you probably should attend it. Correct. <laughs> there you go. Um, yeah, go do some paperwork or something. Uh yeah, I mean, last night I can truly say, I don't know that I've really <laughs> ever done this before. Uh, yeah, I mean, I just switched off to other channels and just basically checking back in 
you know, to be absolutely positive, nothing had changed, number one, but just to wait, you know, hoping for the end of the game to, to hear what Charles Barkley had to say. It's really that simple. <laughs> yeah. That's what I was doing last night. I wasn't even watching the fourth quarter per se, uh, you know, so I don't know. Maybe tomorrow night in Oklahoma City, uh, you know, I, I think that uh, San Antonio, given their championship history, uh I don't think they're going to want to let it go to Game 7. I know they're not. No team does. And I also think that, uh, yeah, I, I, I think they're going to come, you know, looking for victory because, you know, the, I think the Spurs are going to feel like, you know, we've got them on the run here. Like, we've got the upper hand, even though the game is in Oklahoma City where the Thunder blew them out twice this week. So I think tomorrow night we might get that. That reasonably close game. Yeah, I think so too. You know, they're an older team; they don't want to play another game, an extra game. They're Bingo. wanting to tie everything up neatly in a nice bow and, and get on to the next series. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's interesting. I mean, I've been rooting for the Spurs, given my, you know, spending the last three years at the U.S. Army All American Bowl for one week per visit, and so I've really grown to enjoy San Antonio, respect how much they love the Spurs, but there is a part of me, i got to say, that, you know, the thought of watching the Thunder and Westbrook in that up-and-down game against the Heat in the finals would be fabulous. Yeah, that would, that would be a great matchup, you know, Durant and, and uh, LeBron again, so... I mean, uh, m- most people probably—I'd say a lot of people are rooting for that matchup again. Oh, I totally agree. Absolutely. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, I think there was an inevit- an inevitability a couple years ago when the Heat won. Uh, although, you know, they were coming off that loss to Dallas, so there was no guarantees. You know, they had to do it to prove it, but. It always felt like the Heat had the upper hand. Uh, I watched this Thunder team. If they can pull out this series, uh, which means they would go into the finals on an absolute roll, um, I find myself wondering, you know, if maybe if if they wouldn't be capable because uh, they would have had. They obviously would have to win the next two games, which would put them in an entirely different uh, view that we all see them as right now. All right, AP, thank you as always for calling in. Should be some uh, you know, great games again this weekend, so I appreciate you calling in. Thank you very much, John. And as always, thank you all for listening to All Around Sports, and we look forward to doing it all again next Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Thanks again for tuning in to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Be sure to tune in again next Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have a terrific weekend, and we'll talk sports again next week.